0: I thank you for it, and I pray over this time as I speak the word of the Lord that you would anoint me fresh and speak through me Lord to your people and it will go out as the parable of the seed and sower that Jesus taught it will go out as living seeds of truth that will go out in a good fertile soil of hearts and minds and lives water by the Holy Spirit and take root grow and produce a hundredfold harvest of eternal fruit that remains until Jesus comes Lord that it'll be like light shining forth in the darkness and dispel all that darkness, all the lies of the enemy, all the deception, all that junk, that your truth will dispel that and bring revelation. Let your word go out, Lord, as a hammer that breaks down and destroys every stronghold and a sword that cuts away what needs to go because the the word of the Lord is a powerful two-edged sword. Let your sword go forth, Lord, and cut away what needs to go. Let it penetrate and go forth and accomplish everything you sent it forth to do we thank you for it. And the Bible says that the birds of the air try to steal the seed. And that's talking about the enemy. So, Lord, we agree together. We bind the enemy. In Jesus' name, you will not steal the seed. You're not going to hinder this word from going forth into people's lives. We bind you now in the name of Jesus. All right. So let's dive into this. Zach, let me know. All recordings are a go. All right. Everybody ready? How many guys love God's word? all right so i'm doing part nine there's no telling how far i'm gonna go with this series because this is such a long detailed thing to cover when you're dealing with the end times but i'm on part nine i'm dealing with god's divine justice i'm dealing with spiritual warfare guys tonight if you'll give me your best ear if you'll really give me your best ear tonight and take notes this is probably a sermon that you've never heard and i also believe it's a sermon that will tremendously help you It, it it changed my life okay so if you'll give me your best here tonight i believe that this will help you long term in your spiritual walk okay so the first thing that i wanted to say this the lord just dropped this into my spirit but how many knows that we are definitely living in the last days and we're living at a time of tremendous spiritual warfare and so during these days let me just give you something to think about just as John the Baptist, you guys remember John the Baptist? He was anointed, he was a direct descendant of Aaron, as we know from the book of Luke. So in God's eyes, he was supposed to be the high priest of Israel and he was a prophet. He was clothed with the spirit of Elijah and power. And so he's a priest and prophet and God had anointed him to speak the word of the Lord. He preached a message of repentance, and he had an anointing to baptize the masses and those that know about the times and seasons of the Lord most likely this was during the time that they call teshuvah it's during a time of repentance but John the Baptist was baptizing all these people calling them to repentance and he was telling them to get things ready for the coming of the Lord how many knows all the things that are high and exalted and prideful and of man all that stuff has got to be brought down low okay and all the stuff that is humble before God, and they've, uh, it's ministries and people that have humbled themselves under the mighty hand of God and gone down really low, the Lord's going to pull them up, okay? And he's going to make all the crooked places. He's going to make all those crooked places straight. So things that have not been right, he's going to straighten it out. And also, all the things that are in the path, like stones, stumbling blocks, the Lord is going to remove. And so what John was saying here was, He was saying, let all these crooked places be made straight. Let things that are high brought down, low brought up, prepare the way for the coming of the Lord, okay? And John had an anointing to baptize the masses, but in the same way, if you have eyes to see and ears to hear, you will get this. Satan has servants today in realms of politics, entertainment, education, and the media that are baptizing the masses and indoctrinating them, preparing them for the rise of the Antichrist. Am I not telling you the truth? Let me say that again. Just as John the Baptist was sent by the Lord to prepare the coming of the Lord, and he had an anointing from the Lord to baptize the masses and prepare them for Christ's coming, Satan in these last days has his servants in realms. He's had, he has plants, if you will, in realms of politics, entertainment industry, The educational system, there are some very Antichrist professors and teachers out there. And in the media, who are being used of the devil to baptize the masses and to indoctrinate them, preparing them for the rise of the Antichrist, which I believe is not too terribly far off. How many guys see that? So I'm going to deal a little bit with spiritual warfare and about Satan's kingdom, so bear with me, let me just kind of dive into this and go for it. I believe the Holy Spirit will help all of us to understand his word today. All right. Satan is seen in the Bible, and you got to understand, there's a great cosmic battle that's been going on since the fall of man. But Satan is a created being. So when you're dealing with God versus the devil, you're dealing more like God being this huge, giant, powerful being that's awesome and all-powerful, and the devil's like an annoying mosquito to him. So I don't want you, as I'm talking about this, to think like it's some kind of an even match here, okay? We're not dealing with that. God is in his sovereignty and in his infinite wisdom. He is allowing things to play out the way they're playing out uh, for a reason. You know, we don't fully understand all of it, but he has a purpose in all that he does. So Satan at one time was known as Lucifer. And he was most likely, the Bible says he was an anointed cherub that covered. So most likely when you look at the Ark of the Covenant and you see that it has a mercy seat on top like a lid. How many you guys have seen the Ark? And it has those two angels like this that face each other. And the high priest would go on once a year and the glory of God would come down and, and be in between those two cherubim angels and would light up there. And the high priest would pray. Most likely that anointed cherub that covered, that's how close, because see that the ark is God's throne. It's a replica of the throne of God. That's what the Ark of the Covenant is. So when you see the ark, I want you to think about it. There was a time that Lucifer was probably that close to God. Isn't that sad? To be that close and fall as far as he has. The, the root word in Hebrew for his name, well, his name, rather, is called Halel, and it comes from the root word, Halal, where we get praise, hallelujah. That's where we get that word hallelujah from. And Lucifer, the Bible says, in Ezekiel was created with tabrets and pipes within him. So a lot of people deduce from all this that probably God's throne was here, and around him were these cherubim, and Satan was one of these anointed cherub that covers the throne. And he probably was a part of leading praise and worship to God. And at some point in time, he got lifted up with pride, and pride is always the downfall. And as he got lifted up with pride, he began to see how beautiful he was, and he thought to himself, why is it that God is getting all the praise and worship? And he wanted to direct it toward himself. And so this is what we're dealing with. We're dealing with a fallen cherub, who might, you know, as far as rank goes, he might be in the realm of an archangel. He doesn't say it, but Michael's an archangel, and Michael deals a lot with Israel, and he's an archangel of spiritual warfare, okay? And it might be that Gabriel is an archangel that oversees the word of God. You remember how Gabriel would come to the prophets like Daniel and deliver the word of the Lord. So it could have been that uh, Michael oversaw warfare, Gabriel oversaw the word, and Lucifer at one time possibly oversaw the worship. Um, That's just kind of what we deduce from the scriptures. So this, this fallen being, Lucifer, was cast down to the earth. He took a third of the angels with him, and he began to set up a kingdom because of this reason. He knew that he lost everything, and he had no power, no authority, nothing. And so he had to steal from Adam what God had invested in Adam. So when God created Adam and Eve, you gotta understand that they were perfect. They were holy. They had no sickness. They didn't get tired. They didn't age. They didn't have to sleep. They lived in a paradise. The Garden of Eden was beautiful. Every morning God would come and walk with them in the cool of the day and talk to them and spend time with them. And it was a beautiful place. But God had invested in Adam so much authority and power. What you gotta understand, Adam's mind—he didn't have to learn. Adam understood because god had put it in him as he created him he understood about zoology and biology and he understood um, how the the world around him functioned and as far as we can tell adam was um, god's representative on the earth and had dominion okay over what we know as this earth today he had dominion does this make sense he had authority it's like God ruled in heaven. God had invested authority in Adam, and Adam ruled here. He had like a, an authority like a throne, if you will. I'm speaking metaphorically, but he had a, a rulership over the earth. And flat-footed on the earth, he could speak into the heavens, and, and he could speak into the earth, and he set things in order. If something got out of line, he would tell them to get back in line. And probably all that Adam did, you know, some people have a hobby where they like to, to mess with their lawn and plant things and and weed and do things like that. That's probably what Adam did. How would you like to live in a paradise, okay, where all you have to do is just tend to the stuff like a hobby? That was your livelihood. I mean, it would be amazing. And God's presence there and, and God's fellowship, it was paradise. And Satan saw the incredible authority that was invested in Adam and he lusted after it and he wanted it because he lost everything. Just like maybe a general or somebody would commit treason. And a general would stand there at attention. And somebody like an admiral or somebody would come there and they would just rip all those medals off of him, rip all the rank, all the authority. That's what happened to Satan when he fell. All of his authority, everything that God invested in him, in heaven, was ripped off of him. He was thrown to the earth. And so he began to covet what he saw in Adam. So what he did was he devised a plan to steal from Adam authority, to steal what God had invested in Adam okay so adam had this authority of a ruler over the earth and when satan went to eve i'm sure that satan went to her when she was hungry he's not stupid he didn't go right after she ate and tempt her with food so he probably knew around different times she would eat knew she'd be hungry and he began to go to her and and say did god really say this and he was trying to deceive her and mess with her mind and play mind games with her and say, look, this fruit over here, did God really actually say to you that on the day you eat it, you will die? And he began to you know, mix words with her and mess with her. Anyway, make a long story short, many of you know the story, Eve was deceived and ate of the fruit. Okay, she was, she, the lust of the eyes, she saw that it was good for food, the pride of life, Satan told her she could be like God, and the lust of the flesh, she was. I'm sure she was hungry, she ate of the fruit, she fell, and then Adam was also with her, and he, he ate of the fruit and fell as well. When they did that, the Bible says you become the slave of the one that you obey. So when they obeyed Lucifer and disobeyed God, when they obeyed Satan and ate the fruit, they basically, Adam, gave to the devil on a silver platter his authority over mankind and his authority over the earth. Does everybody see that? Now, it's temporary, because even right then, when mankind fell, God spoke to Adam and Eve. He killed an animal and clothed them in animal skins and showed them there had to be bloodshed for the forgiveness of sins. And he prophesied to Eve, and God told Eve. You can read about all this in Genesis 2, 3, 4, right in that area. God told Eve, he said, that through the woman, there will come, he basically, I'm paraphrasing, a Messiah, and he said to, about satan he said you will strike at his heel but he will crush your head and god was prophesying to adam and eve that there would become a coming messiah that would fix all of this do you see what i'm saying and he was telling satan right there you may have tricked them but one of these days i'm going to send somebody through the woman that's going to crush your head And so, from that moment forward, Satan began to strategize against humanity. And it's kind of like a cosmic chess match. You'll see the devil do something and then God respond back and forth. So, I don't want to get too rabbit trailing on this, but Satan began to set up his kingdom to oppose the kingdom of God. And later on, God found a man by the name of Abraham that he could trust. And through Abraham, he brought forth the nation of Israel. And then through the nation of Israel, please hear me. God the Father, kind of, if you will, metaphorically speaking, married himself to Israel. And from Israel, like, like um, a pregnancy and a womb coming forth out of Israel, came forth every spiritual blessing that we have. Do you understand that? From Israel came the Word of God, the prophets, everything that we have, including Jesus Christ, came out of Israel. So Satan is seen in the Bible as the great red dragon. He started out in the Garden of Eden as a little snake. And now in the book of Revelation, he winds up a great red dragon. How many knows that he's grown in power because of the sin of humanity? So Revelation 12, 9 shows him as a great red dragon. Revelation 13 talks about the beast coming out of the earth And it also talks about a beast coming out of the sea that has seven heads and ten horns. And I'm going to deal with that tonight. You can read about it in the book of Revelation. And then Ephesians chapter 6 deals with spiritual warfare. It deals with world rulers, principalities, and powers. And I'm going to explain that in just a few minutes. But here's the first point. We're living at a time of major spiritual warfare in these last days. The Bible predicted it look at these scriptures revelation 914 it said to the sixth angel who had the trumpet or the shofar release the four angels who were bound at the great river Euphrates so you're gonna see in these last days y'all hear me you're gonna see ancient fallen angels ancient spirits things that have been around for a long time you're gonna see things really released on the earth in these last days in a major way major spiritual warfare Revelation 9 verse 1 says the fifth angel sounded and I saw a star from heaven which had fallen to the earth star here speaks of some kind of a fallen angel coming down to the earth he had a key to the bottomless pit to hell he opened up this gate of hell he opened it up and smoke went out of the pit like the smoke of a great furnace and the sun and the air were darkened by the smoke of the pit. Then out of the smoke came locusts upon the earth. The power and power was given to them as scorpions to have power on the earth. I'm only reading that scripture because we'll deal with it more later. But you're seeing how Satan is opening up things, opening up gates of hell here in these last days, and these demonic forces are being released on the earth. Revelation twelve, two Therefore rejoice, you heavens, and those who dwell in them, but woe to the earth and the sea. Because the devil has gone down to you, he is filled with fury because he knows that his time is short. So Satan knows. He knows the Bible. He knows that his time is short. And the great red dragon in Revelation twelve nine was hurled down that ancient serpent called the devil, who is Satan, who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. So you're seeing here things being released on the earth. You're seeing things being opened up and brought out of hell on the earth. And you're seeing things in the heavenlies coming down to the earth. Do you see what I'm saying? Do you see the picture I'm trying to paint here? There's going to be a lot of stirring and spiritual warfare going on in the earth. And so let me break down Satan's kingdom. Can you turn up that air a couple degrees for me? It's cold. The seven heads. All right, y'all want to understand world rulers, principalities, and powers. Here we go. Remember the apostle Paul said in Ephesians 6, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. But we do wrestle against world rulers, principalities, powers, and rulers of darkness. So the Bible, Daniel in Revelation, paints this picture of some kind of a beast, like a sea monster type figure. You see it in Job like Leviathan, you know, but you see it in Daniel and Revelation in different forms but it's some kind of a weird-looking beast that's got seven heads and ten horns. And it represents the devil and his kingdom. The seven heads speak of world rulers, the ten horns speak of end-time principalities and powers. So let me break this down for you. World rulers are demonic forces that blanket the earth with their influence at one time, the whole earth. How many knows that Leviathan, the spirit of pride, blankets the whole earth with its influence? There's proud arrogance everywhere. Jezebel and Ahab blanket the earth. I'm just kind of giving you a possibility here of these seven heads. The spirit of witchcraft, the spirit of mind control, the spirit of Antichrist. The Antichrist spirit is going to blanket the world with its influence. So you see Leviathan, you see Jezebel and Ahab, you see the spirit of witchcraft, you see the spirit of mind control antichrist and baphomet that has to do with the antichrist and the false prophet and i lump these three together murder violence and racism okay as a spirit and then death and hades as a spirit these these are spiritual forces that blanket the whole earth these are called world ruling spirits then you're going to see the ten horns the principalities Principalities blanket certain geographic regions with their influence. A principality, there's a principality over America. There's a principality over every nation. In fact, under, there's different principalities. There's some that blanket whole nations, but there's others that will blanket maybe a city or a little region and even smaller categories like some you know schools, like educational centers and things like that so there can be these little principalities but but principalities are pretty powerful principalities come from a greek word "arche," where we get the word architect and what they are is spirits that strategize against god's kingdom so just like a builder will break out the blueprints an architect will take and he'll make blueprints and plan everything that's what an architect will do and that's what a principality will do. A principality sits like a little, a little throne, if you will, over a region and is strategizing against God's people, strategizing against churches, strategizing against people that pray, strategizing against people that witness, trying to oppose the kingdom of God and keep those people in that region under bondage to the devil. And until people come in by the power of God and begin to pray and see the Lord send a move of his spirit to a region, that principality can sit there and really oppress the people. But principalities work close with powers. You see their names together all the time. And powers will be the muscle. So just like a principality would be over this region, say Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex, He's strategizing. He's strategizing against God's people, against revival, against soul winning, against prayer. He's trying to keep the people in bondage to things like dead religion. But then these powers are like the muscle, they will carry out the attacks. So, going back to my other example, the architect will lay out the blueprints, he'll get everything ready, and when it's time, he'll call in the builders. And they're the muscle. They're the ones that go in and actually get the hammers and nails and begin to put the thing together. That's what powers do. They traffic back and forth. Are y'all seeing this? To try to carry out the enemy's dirty work. Rulers of darkness are ruling spirits, demonic spirits, here on the earth realm. They're here on the earth. Okay, These princes and powers and world rulers are above us in what the Bible calls the second heaven. But rulers of darkness are here on the earth to oppose individuals, oppose family bloodlines and oppose churches. We're in a real war. But I don't know about you but I ain't scared a bit. Because we got to know that greater is the one who's in us. And you have to know that Jesus defeated all this, okay? Okay. That's why you can have testimonies like my wife's testimony. The devil loses. Checkmate. All right, I'm just going to submit to you this as a possible type of satanic armor. But Satan's forces seem to have some kind of an armament. Jesus talked about the strong man being bound and talking about weakening and removing his armor, what he trusted in. What he trusted in is his armor. So I'm just submitting this. This is just something that I've kind of come up with on my own. He's taken with a grain of salt. But I believe a possibility of satanic armor is boots of anger. Because let me tell you, our boots as far as the um, armor of God is the shoes of peace. See, our walk has got to be in peace, and we've got to be peacemakers. Satan's kingdom traffics like nobody's business where there's fighting and there's strife and anger. There has got to be somebody that will be a peacemaker to calm everything down, okay? And that's what our walk is. Our daily walk is in peace. And the Bible says the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet. What that means is, is that as you walk in peace, you will be able to crush the devil under your feet. But if you're going to walk in strife and anger and fighting, you won't. And so I believe Satan's armor, that he arms his forces, is boots of anger. He wants to stir up strife and fighting. A sword of criticism. He wants to stir up critics, people that will hate the move of God. They hate churches. They hate preachers. And they're going around speaking against them. It's a sword of criticism. He wants to arm his servants with breastplates of hate, murder, and violence, that they have hatred in their heart. He wants to put a helmet on their mind of deception. Our helmet is salvation, and our minds are to be renewed with the word of God, okay? But Satan will arm his forces with great deception. They have a shield of great pride, Pride is in armor in Satan's kingdom. But humility, a lot of people don't realize this. There's a covering. The apostle, Paul, I'm sorry, the apostle Peter said to clothe yourself in humility. Did you know that the arrows of the devil have a very hard time getting through that cloak of humility? I don't know what it looks like exactly, but it is hard to get through. So Satan's kingdom will arm his servants and his forces with a shield of pride and arrogance. And then a mouth speaking forth lies. Jesus said Satan is the father of lies. So I've given you kind of a breakdown of Satan's kingdom. World rulers, principalities, powers, rulers of darkness. It's a little kingdom that he set up here using Adam's authority. Whenever Satan came to Jesus and tempted him, he said that these kingdoms were given to me and they rightly were. Jesus never disputed that because they were given to him by Adam and Satan told Jesus, if, if you'll just bow down and worship me, I will give you these kingdoms. And of course, I'm paraphrasing. Jesus said, get out of here. As he knew he was going to end up with them in the end anyway. And he, you know, obviously he quotes the scriptures, worship the Lord your God and him only. All right. So there's seven major enemies that Israel faced, and I believe that every believer will face them to some degree. In Daniel chapter 2, you remember Daniel uh, King, Nebuchadnezzar, King Nebuchadnezzar had a, a dream of a statue with a head of gold arms of silver bronze torso area legs and toes of iron the toes were iron and clay and it was a breakdown of different kingdoms that would come against israel but before that there was egypt and assyria so there's a total of seven and a lot of people have felt that these seven heads on the beast also speak of this so i'm going to give you seven strategies I believe that these weapons that Satan has used against God's people have been used so long that it's like the sword on that thing that Satan has pulled that sword out and used it so many times it's like the handle has some grooves in it from his fingers, All right, The first attack that Israel faced obviously was in Egypt and Satan stirred up the Pharaoh there to enslave them to put them in bondage, to throw their um, children into the nile remember that and it was a very oppressive thing but we know the story and we're about to talk about it next week at passover that god came in through moses and delivered them so here's the first thing that satan will try to do when you accept christ as your savior and you're wanting to truly live for god and go after god do you want to know what the first strategy of the devil is against you to pull you back into your past. And as a pastor. I have grieved and seen so many people over the years. Get pulled backward into their past. There's no need for it. Let me tell you how you're created. You better hear me. True Christians born of God. You are created like the hull of a boat. You guys seen speed boats that have that V shape at the front. In the back of the boats it's always just you know blocked off because the boat isn't created to really go backward it's created to go forward you're not created and designed to sit still and you're not created and designed certainly to go backward you're created to always be moving forward and that's why that v shape is in the front of the boat because there's times that there's wind and there's waves come against that boat but that v shape is there to break through it and keep moving forward and as a christian we are created. To move forward and let me tell you if you're not moving forward please hear me and you start sitting still it's not gonna be long until the devil's kingdom and this is a real war till they don't sneak up behind you and try to throw a rope around you and start pulling you backward you can't sit still you have to be growing in Christ going from glory to glory you have to be moving forward there has to be a momentum So Satan will try to draw you back into your past. And unfortunately, this works with some people. The Bible says that some don't have a deep root. Remember this in the book of Mark. And because their roots are shallow and the sun comes up and scorches them, they begin to fall away. They don't have deep roots. We've got to get deep roots in the word of God and we've got to grow spiritually. So here's some things. How do you overcome this attack? trying to pull you backwards because some people backslide you're going to have to learn to die to the flesh and that comes from a developing a powerful strong prayer life and i love you enough as a pastor to tell you that nobody can do it for you and if you're not going to do it you're going to struggle i'm just telling you especially in these last days learn how to pray have a prayer life if you don't i promise you it's going to be difficult for each person in these last days that does not have a prayer life you cannot ride the coattail of other people's spiritual walk we've got to um, press into the Lord for ourselves number two renew your mind with the word of God that means that you begin to think different instead of thinking fearful thoughts now you're thinking faith thoughts instead of thinking bitter thoughts you're thinking forgiveness instead of thinking on lustful things you're thinking on purity and whenever garbage tries to come into your mind you just throw it out and think on the things of god you learn how to renew your mind and have a disciplined thought life i'm telling you i didn't know about this because i was around christianity that was spiritually dead and so it took me i had to learn all this on my own and i struggled spiritually because i didn't know in the younger days and i and i stumbled and, and fell some and made mistakes and god had to help me And I get up here as a pastor today with a heart for young Christians and tell you from experience, you need to learn how to pray for yourself and learn how to die to the flesh. You're going to have to renew your mind for yourself, okay? And the next thing is you're going to have to grow in faith. You're going to have to start memorizing Scripture and get it down in your spirit and let your faith arise. Because there's times, you know, people will go through trials, and when they get hit with a trial, then... They want to get into the word and grow in faith then. That's the worst time. You're emotionally going through it. You need to beforehand grow in faith. Have scriptures that you have memorized and you got them down into your heart. The word of God has got to get, as you meditate on it, the scripture, the uh, example that is used about meditating on the word of God day and night is like, a. this is this, the example i've heard in scripture but it's like a a cow will sit there and chew the cud it's like you're meditating on, on the word of god and as you do eventually the word of god will move from just being head knowledge and it'll get down into your heart and when it gets into your heart that's where true faith is born that's the kind of faith that will see you through difficulties another thing is go through inner healing and deliverance so many churches and ministries don't offer this and people come into the kingdom of god and they get saved and they have all this garbage this baggage from the past all this stuff they've been sexually in sin they've they've gotten mixed up in the occult they've uh, all kinds of stuff and they've opened themselves up to all kinds of hurt and pain emotionally and all kinds of demonic bondage and the lord wants to set them free and so when go through inner healing and deliverance we have that type of ministry here in river of life you can go through we have a questionnaire you can fill out i'll, I'll meet with you my wife and i'm private we'll pray for you but you need to go through that and get all that junk out of your life get set free if you'll do that you will start maturing as a christian to the place to where the devil will not be able to pull you back anymore we've got to learn how to walk in victory for ourselves So as we get plugged into church and start growing spiritually, here's what happens. The things that used to be able to pull us backward start losing their power, and we really start growing spiritually. And I can say with a clear conscience that the things, when I first got saved, there was things that seemed to still be oppressive, still struggle. Some of y'all can relate to it. But I'm going to tell you, as I grew in the Lord, and as the Lord taught me how to die to the flesh, renew my mind, and get delivered from all that stuff, I can say now, after being saved 20 years, the things that used to bother me and really you know, pull, pull at me, don't anymore. But it took time of the Lord sanctifying me and changing me over the years. Okay, I had to grow up in Christ for myself. And we all do. Amen? And here's the thing. Jesus said in the last days, he said, woe to those talking about as they flee Israel. I know the context. I know what it's saying here. But woe to those that are nursing babes that are pregnant because they're going to be fleeing for their life. I get that. But I think metaphorically speaking, I would say that the Lord is saying to us today, woe to those that are going to be little babies and not grow up in the last days. Hello? Is there's people that should be on meat that are still sucking a bottle spiritually amen there's people that should be strong in the lord but they're little babies and it's going to be challenging in these last days for them so let's grow and mature in god for ourselves and we can overcome this attack of egypt the second one was assyria Assyria came against Israel and took the the northern ten tribes and scattered them. You know what this attack represents? Betrayal and division. Y'all hear me? Especially those called into the ministry. It goes with the territory that there's going to be people that hate and really come against churches and preachers. That just goes with the territory. It's demonic. But that's Assyria. Assyria has to do with betrayal and division. Jesus had people hate him, and Jesus had a Judas. If you think that you're not going to have people hate you and not have a Judas, you're not even better than Jesus. So we've got to learn how to deal with these things. So the first attack is to try to pull you backward. But if you overcome that and you grow spiritually, and the devil says, I can't do it anymore, this is the next attack betrayal and division Satan you got to be careful who you confide in who you tell your secrets to and who you associate with are y'all hearing me you better be careful you've got to learn to be quick to forgive pray for people and bless them because there's going to be people that, that you know are horrible and you've got to really forgive them pray for them and bless them also, you've got to learn to be a peacemaker. This is very difficult. Okay, this is very challenging. But Jesus taught us to turn the other cheek and don't repay evil for evil. You could. You could have the power to really hurt somebody. But you have to say, you know what? I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to repay evil for evil. I'm going to forgive them and pray for them and bless them. And if you will learn how to walk in forgiveness and handle this well, the Lord will give you the victory. And he will restore to you what the devil's stolen. Are you hearing me? So the way you overcome Egypt is you mature. But the way that you overcome Assyria, this battle, is you learn how to walk in forgiveness. Because everybody's going to deal with these things. How many knows I'm telling you guys the truth about this? You, everybody is going to deal with these things to some degree. All right, the next one is Babylon. Everybody knows the story with Nebuchadnezzar and how Babylon came in. They took the southern tribe Judah and Benjamin captive and they destroyed the temple, okay? Babylon comes from the Tower of Babel and it means confusion. So when you're dealing with Babylon, what you're dealing with is pride, rebellion, confusion, and controversy. This is where Satan will begin to release controversy against you. Where the things that you say are being twisted and contorted and all messed up, where people are saying, well, he said this, and he said that, and you're sitting there shaking your head going, I never said that. But they'll die for that believing that you did, You know, but you never said it. And people start believing things about you that aren't true, Rumors are spread about you that just aren't true. How many knows what I'm talking about? This is Babylon. It's confusion. Satan is trying to stir up confusion around you. Controversy. Here's how you overcome this. I've been through this. And I'm telling you. It is very difficult. The tendency is to just throw up your hands and walk away from it. But here's what you do. Pray fast, and stay the course. If God puts you in a church or puts you somewhere, you have made up your mind. Come hell or high water, come Jezebel spirits, come Judas's, come betrayals, whatever. I'm going for God. And the devil's not gonna pull me out of here. You hear what I'm saying? I'm gonna keep moving forward. He's not gonna get me flung off. How many preachers have gone through pure hell and then they threw up their hands and resigned and left? And then later on regretted it because it really wasn't god if they would have weathered the storm and they would have stayed god would have gave them a major victory because you guys know this the greater the attack the greater the blessing on the other side so during this time pray fast humble yourself and stay the course get your compass out okay And set it and just keep marching forward through all that confusion, all that controversy, all the lies, all the rumors, all the garbage. You just keep marching forward toward Jesus no matter what. And on the other side of it, you'll get through that storm on the other side. The sun will come back out and you'll be glad that you did that and you didn't throw up your hands and quit. All right, the next one is the Medes and Persians. Man, this is an interesting. You know, how many of you guys have seen, uh, hopefully not in person, but how many of you guys have seen a grizzly bear like on TV? Those things are huge. But what makes a grizzly bear powerful? It's its size. If somehow we had a shrink ray, be glad that I don't because I would play way too much with that, okay, and shrink people, you know, stuff like that. I'm just kidding. But if we had some kind of shrink ray and we could take this huge, massive grizzly bear, and shrink him down to about this big. It's the same bear. He's got the same teeth and claws, but he's a wimp. And you can put a leash on him and walk him down the road as a pet, couldn't you? But what made the bear powerful is his size. And that was the Medes and Persians. In fact, they were seen in Daniel's prophecy as a bear. And Medes and Persians had a massive, huge army that's what made them strong you know what this represents for us as Christians a blanket of spiritual oppression now be honest because I've, I've been there how many of you guys have felt it was an uncanny strange heaviness before spiritually how many of you guys have felt that I have too that's straight from the devil now listen the Bible says God has not given us that spirit of heaviness Okay, it's, it's a, it actually can translate in the Hebrew A breath of infirmity Or a breath of weakness It's meant to beat you down It's a heavy oppressive thing So the Medes and Persians Represent Satan Trying to bring mental oppression Where you feel Discouraged and, and Oppressed and you may not even know why Physical Oppression you feel tired And weak Relational oppression, spiritual heaviness, difficulty praying. And it just seems like something so heavy. Do you know how to overcome those times? And let me tell you, it will take every ounce of self-control that you can muster up, but praise. And let me let me tell you, it will be the last thing you want to do. You'll feel like your hands are lead. You'll feel heavy. The last thing you want to do is praise God. But the Bible says that he gives us a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. That's your weapon. And I'll add this from experience, coming to church and getting a fresh anointing. Because there's something about the corporate body that brings a corporate faith, a corporate anointing that is different than being at home. I I have the Lord touch me at home you know i love it. it's wonderful but it's, it's not the same as being at church because there's a corporate anointing and so come to god's house and praise him and dance and get free and you'll be sitting there thinking in your mind i don't feel like this i feel like going to sleep right now but i am going to praise god with everything in me and i'm gonna press in and i'm gonna go down and get pastor and others pray for me and i'm not giving into this this isn't going to set up residence in my house This isn't going to pitch a tent and stay a while. This is passing through my life, okay? And you're not going to receive it and you're not going to live under it. All right, the next attack, as I'm going through this, I know everybody can relate to this stuff. I know it because I can too. The next attack is Greece. You know, there's not a lot in the Bible because this was a time when the Old and New Testament that we have was relatively silent. But Israel faced Greece, And they faced some weirdo by the name of Antiochus Epiphanes that thought he was some kind of a god and stirred up an army to try to come against, um, you know, Israel. And we know the story, okay, at Hanukkah and all that. But, you know what Greece represents for us today is the human intellect apart from God. Let me explain that. Greece was known and is known for their humanism. Are they not? I mean, look at their philosophers. One of their philosophers thought, this is how much they thought of themselves, they thought of God as a human brain contemplating itself. Yeah, it's weird as, as you can imagine, but they believed it. And so it's all about philosophy and humanism, exalting humanity over God. So let me explain this. If we don't see things from God's perspective, it can be unbelievably discouraging. Can you imagine what it would have been like if Jesus did not see things from God's perspective? I mean, Jesus had ministered for three and a half years thousands and thousands and thousands and no telling how many tens of thousands of healings, miracles, deliverances, the dead raised. And yet, at the end, there was only 120 that were there at Pentecost. Can you imagine what it would have been like for Paul who was sitting in prison at times and toward the end of his life was confined to prison basically. You see what I'm saying? It, It would have been very discouraging. Let me put it this way. When Nehemiah was trying to build the wall, read the book of Nehemiah this week, when he was trying to build the wall, There was these men by the name of sanballat and tobiah that stirred up people to constantly point at them and mock them and make fun of them and ridicule them and threaten them constantly harassing them and you know as well as i do that that was discouraging they would build they'd work with all their might to build up a wall, and they had these guys over here laughing and making fun of them saying, and I quote, this is in the Bible, if even a little fox ran across their wall, fall down, what are y'all doing? Just mocking them. And that's exactly being in the ministry. That's exactly what sometimes preachers have to face. People just mocking and ridiculing. But let me tell you, if you'll keep going after God, Nehemiah, when it was all said and done, he completed the work of God he didn't allow himself to get discouraged and give up the attack here is to try to get you to think along human perspective where you don't see the spiritual eternal fruit you're just seeing where things are in the natural is this making sense and the devil will try to send people to say well look at this and they're trying to point out what things look like in the natural you're wasting your time what are you doing but if you'll keep your eyes on the Lord and you'll see the eternal perspective, his perspective, eternal fruit, what matters to him, being faithful and obedient to him, you won't succumb to this attack. Because Nehemiah would have felt his, if he would have listened to them, his arms would have got heavy and he would have felt like giving up before he completed his task. How many of you guys have had people that were negative? You were trying to go after God. You are trying to live the Christian life and you had people that were ridiculing you at times. How many have had that? Been made fun of? Family or friends or others that are mocking and ridiculing you. You have to be like Nehemiah and let the Lord put some backbone in there that you're going to rise up and do what God's called you to do. All right, the sixth sixth, um, battle that the devil will send, the sixth enemy was Rome. This is outside persecution. Basically, if the devil can't pull you backward, He's not going to be able to get you bitter or rebellious. He's not going to get you to give up along the way. He's found out that heaviness does not work. He's found out that sending people to try to discourage you isn't going to work. Then here's some battles that we may face. You know what? The nation of Rome was totally fine with any type of religion out there as long as it wasn't Christianity. Does that sound like America right now? Let me go back real quick to Greece. You know how you overcome that—that discouragement. You got to learn how to strengthen yourself in the Lord. David, when he when he was um, at Ziklag, remember those—that army came in, took all their belongings, their wives, their children. Even some of his men felt like stoning him. You guys remember the story? And David put on an ephod and went alone with God and prayed, and he had to strengthen himself in the Lord. And we're going to have to learn how to get into the Word of God and in prayer and strengthen ourselves in the Lord, okay? But even though the enemy may not be able to do that to you, there's still going to be outside persecution. And in these last days, I'm, I'm very much convinced that laws of the land are most likely around the world going to become more and more anti-Christ. And so for us to not go along with the flow is going to result in some challenging times, okay? Even in America, it may come to an underground church one day. So this Rome began to pass laws against Christianity, so you may have to deal with there being laws against you know what we believe and what we're doing and maybe even city council members and other things around us that are opposed okay and satan using critics i mean how many people out there you can google any do you can google any anointed man or woman of god that's a preacher right now and you'll see pages devoted to satan's little puppets that are just mocking and blaspheming them and just blasting them like you wouldn't believe that's that's this outside persecution coming against god's people how do you overcome that you're just going to have to die to yourself and be willing to die for jesus bottom line it's just like i'm going to march through this and whatever comes comes but i'm going to be faithful to god to the death okay and that sounds weird to americans but it doesn't to other countries because they have to live that way i'm going to be faithful to the lord it may cost me my life but i'm going to march through this and be faithful so these are going to be like a cooker pressure these are going to be times that are going to bring out the best and the worst and we're going to have to let the lord help us to give us strength to endure and overcome these things okay how many you guys see this going on in america right now you see the laws progressively more and more and more becoming Antichrist. And it's making the way for the guy, the Antichrist, one day. And then finally, number seven, and this is what I wanted to get to because I'm gonna now explain to you about how we overcome in these end times is Daniel's statue. The gold head was Babylon. The arms were the Medes and Persians. The bronze torso was Greece. But watch this. The iron legs that went all the way down through to the toes was Rome. And through Constantine, Rome has still been living on, as you guys know, okay? All right. So it's gonna go all the way into the end times, and we're gonna see those 10 toes on the statue, iron and clay, and it speaks of the 10 kingdoms that are gonna serve the Antichrist, and those 10 kingdoms will most likely have those 10 major principalities ruling over them. But you know what Satan's end time strategy is? To wear out the saints. This is the last one. If you cannot be pulled back into your past, you're gonna learn how to walk in forgiveness. You're gonna learn how to walk through confusion and controversy. You're gonna learn how to break through spiritual oppression. You're not going to think in human terms and allow discouragement to get a hold of you. You're going to learn how to overcome that and strengthen yourself in the Lord. And you're not going to let the persecution of the outside world get to you. The persecution of the world and the persecution of all these Christ haters and Christian haters and preacher haters and church haters. You're not going to let that get to you. You're going to keep marching forward. Then here's Satan's tactic. This is the last one, and I want you all to hear me because it seems to be an end-time strategy that maybe we're going to face that our spiritual ancestors possibly didn't face on this level, and that is to wear out the saints. To wear out where you're going from one sickness to another little sickness. You're dealing with one betrayal to the next little betrayal. You're dealing with this financial problem to the next financial problem. This controversy to the next controversy. You're putting out this fire just to have three more spring up. This after this after this after this. It's to wear out the saints. To where people are so caught up with all of that that they can't really be productive for the kingdom of God. Did you know that God's given us an end time strategy to overcome that though? See up until this point I I talked about maturing yourself in God. I talked about trusting God to restore, staying the course, all these different things you can do to overcome. But how do you overcome the wearing out of the saints? I mean, it's just a constant hit. You know, just like you'll see sometimes in a, a boxing match where somebody gets up against the ropes and the other guy is just one after the other, just keeps hitting him one after the other, one after the other. When you're going through that, how do you overcome that? We approach God as the God of breakthrough, the God of justice. Let me get to that in just a moment. Before Jesus came the first time, I'm heading to the answer to that question. Before Jesus came the first time, he sent the spirit of Elijah through John the Baptist. You guys know I'm talking about the spirit of Elijah. When he comes in his fullness, the Holy Spirit comes and his full sevenfold manifestation, the spirit of the Lord, wisdom, revelation, counsel, might, knowledge. And he comes as like a fiery, prophetic anointing, an end-time revival anointing, the spirit of Elijah, okay? That anointing came on John the Baptist. And the Bible talks about that anointing coming upon us in these last days. Did you know that I believe, just like John the Baptist was anointed with the spirit of Elijah, that God is going to come upon his bride, his remnant, with a mighty anointing, the spirit of Elijah, so that we can do what God's called us to do in these last days and see the harvest come in and see revival i'm getting to the God of breakthrough let me give you seven major judgments because i'm dealing with end time prophecies seven major judgments the first judgment was God flooded the ancient world see God's in control whenever you, you see all these things going on in the world you've got to understand that God is ultimately in control and he's going to have the final say now watch this When the ancient world was filled with violence and with the Nephilim and all kinds of evil and wicked like you probably can't even imagine, God flooded the earth and preserved Noah and brought judgment. The second major judgment is for Christians. When we die, we're going to stand before the Bema seat, the judgment seat of Christ, and give an account for our lives but if now if you'll let the lord cleanse your life and deeply purge you and deal with stuff in you that judgment can actually be just a time of rejoicing and rewards but for some people it's going to be a difficult day number three israel israel did not and has not as a nation accepted christ as their messiah And so that nation is going to go through the days of Jacob's trouble that we call the tribulation time, and that is going to be God's judgment to prepare them for Christ's return there. Number four, the whole earth will experience judgment. Just like God poured out his wrath on Egypt, and he brought the people of God out, these end time judgments you read about in the book of Revelation, what is it? The seals and the trumpets, And the bowls or the vials these judgments are going to come down on the earth the first three and a half years the judgment the wrath of the lamb and the last three and a half years the wrath of the father and the earth is going to experience judgment Satan is going to experience judgment his false prophet and his Antichrist are going to be bound and thrown alive into the lake of fire and Satan and his angels are going to be bound and they're going to experience judgment when Jesus comes when jesus comes and rules in jerusalem he's going to sit on his throne and he's going to judge the nations and separate the sheep and goat nations and finally at the end of the thousand year reign of christ after jesus has been here and he's put things in order and at the end of the thousand years the devil's going to be loose for a time we know all of that but at the very end There's going to be what's known as a great white throne judgment where all the heathen are going to be brought up out of hell and one by one they're going to be judged. And listen to this. After that, the Bible says that God is going to purge the earth and the heavens with his fire. He's going to purge the earth and the heavens with his fire. And somehow the Bible says there's not going to be a sea any longer. And you have to wonder if that fire isn't going to purge that. And there's going to be a new Jerusalem come down. And God the Father, it says, the dwelling of God will be with man and man with God forever. This is Revelation 19 through 20. Was it 22, I believe? that talks about all this. But the new Jerusalem is going to be 1,500 miles square. Do you realize that city is going to be from Texas to California? And it's also going to be 1,500 miles tall. So... It's going to be big enough. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. In my father's house are many mansions. It's going to be big enough to house every believer that's ever lived. With your own mansion. So God's in control of all this. You gotta understand. Now please hear me on this last point about the God of breakthrough, but I said all that about the judgments because God's in control. God's calling the shots. It may look like in the end times sometimes the devil has the upper hand. I assure you he does not. He is on a leash and he's only going to be able to do what God permits him to do as long as God permits him to do it. So all of this has been foretold and all of it is going to work out exactly how God wants it to work out. All right. So this is the God of breakthrough when it comes to wearing out the saints. We know we're coming from a perspective that God is in control. Jesus already defeated the devil. How many knows if if I thought I was leaving town and I thought there was these, you know, boogeymen or something roaming around my house, I wouldn't leave my wife or daughter there without dealing with stuff. When Jesus left and said, I'm going to prepare a place for you, he's not going to leave us here if he knew that the devil is going to be able to destroy us. He's given us what we need. If we'll press into him, he will give us victory. So here's the God of breakthrough. You guys ready for this? Revelation thirteen seven. listen to this. It says that it was given to him, talking about the Antichrist, to make war against the saints. But how many knows, even before the actual Antichrist rises to power, there's still the spirit of the Antichrist that we're dealing with right now. The Bible is very clear about that in 1 John. So the spirit of the Antichrist is already in the earth. It says it was given him to make war against the saints and overcome them. and authority over every tribe, people and tongue and nation were given to him. In Revelation 11:7, now when they had finished their testimony, the beast that comes up out of the abyss will attack them and overpower and kill them. So you see there that there's an element of there being like this strong attack against God's people there. I'm just showing you that this strong attack. But watch this scripture, because if you just read that and you don't read Daniel, it could be discouraging. But Daniel said in 7, 19 through 21, then I desire to know the exact meaning of the fourth beast. Now the fourth beast has to do with this end time weird um, monster that has seven heads and ten horns. Okay? The world rulers, Satan's end time kingdom, this weird oppressive kingdom in the earth he said it was different from all the others exceedingly dreadful his teeth were iron his, his uh, claws of bronze bronze and he devoured and crushed and trampled down the re- the remainder with his feet and the meaning of the ten horns were on its head and the horn which came up this is the antichrist before wit, the other three of them fell namely that horn which had eyes and a mouth utterly great uttering great boast which was larger, larger in appearance than its associates. I kept looking. So this is the Antichrist, like a horn, rising up above the other kings and rulers, okay? And he said, look at this, that horn, the Antichrist, was waging war against the saints and overpowering them until the Ancient of Days came and judgment was passed in favor of the saints, of the highest one, and the time arrived when the saints took possession of their kingdom you see, it seems like in these last days that wearing out of the saints, and I understand the end time prophecy in Israel and all of that and the Antichrist, the abomination. I get all that. But I'm just trying to give you something here that we can relate to right now. Satan is trying to wear down the saints. But if you'll hear me tonight and really get what I'm about to say, if you'll really get this, I promise you it'll change your life. I preached this years ago and there was a lady that some of you know she had lost everything. My wife will know who I'm talking about here in a minute. Some of y'all know her. She lost everything. She was driving a real beat-up old car. She had lost her job. She had, lost, she had everything she owned in storage had lost that. She didn't have a good job. She was really struggling bad in, in every way. And I preached this sermon, and I saw her, and she was just crying. And I encouraged her to do what I'm about to encourage you to do, to make a list and she made a list she went through everything that she felt like the devil stole in her life and she went just like I'm about to tell you how to do she went before God as a judge and she was asking him to vindicate her and give her justice against the devil was it say here again it seemed like the devil was overpowering them until what the Ancient of Days came and judgment was passed in favor of the saints or in favor of the righteous judgment and i told her to go before god as as the ultimate judge and petition him to restore everything the devil stolen and let me tell you something this is a true story this woman ended up within not very long getting a nice new car god gave it to her she got a job in management making pretty good money Everything that she lost down to, like, even little things, she told me was restored a lot better in her life. You guys know, remember? Everything was restored back into her life. What I'm saying is this. Some of you have been really under an oppression where the enemy has tried to wear out the saints, and you feel these attacks that, you know, I talked about. Just one thing after the other, after the other, after the other. It's been heavy. It's been oppressive. But let me tell you something about God. He is a loving Father. He is our Savior. But He is also a righteous judge. He is. And He knows that the devil comes in to steal, kill, and destroy, and the devil's a liar. He knows that. And He knows that Satan's kingdom comes in and does a lot of things. And and so when we go to Him, remember Luke 18. is why I want you to kind of jot some things down. Luke 18 talks about the persistent widow. There was a woman that was a widow that was going to an evil judge and kept going there pleading her case and he didn't care nothing about God or her or anybody else and she was just getting on his nerves and he was saying, get her out of here. But she kept coming day after day. And this is, a, read this for yourself. And the judge finally said, I don't fear God and I don't care about man and I don't care anything about this woman, but just to keep her from keep bothering me, Give her whatever she wants. And Jesus said this. He said, if a wicked judge will still give vindication to somebody that's persistent, how much more will your loving Heavenly Father give it to you? And she was going before a judge. I want you to get this. She was going before a judge pleading her case for justice, where she was having injustices. Now, how many of you guys can say to yourself that you can look over your life and you feel that legitimately Satan's kingdom has come in at times and has stolen relationships, has attacked your health, has attacked your finances, has attacked your family, has attacked different areas of your life, and you know that it was, it was the devil, and he came in to steal, kill, and destroy. And you want justice against the devil. Now, don't get caught up with trying to get justice against people. That Boy, you're going to blow it. You're going to blow it bad don't do that okay stick with this father I'm coming to you as a righteous judge against the devil even though the devil may use people it was still the devil that did it and I want you to jot some things down I want you to think about this because we're ending this church-wide fast in a few days and then we're gonna have Passover and I'm gonna believe God I'm gonna believe God with you for justice the Lord gave me a word at the turn of this year that this would be a time of restoration. Remember that? Restoration is what the devil has damaged being repaired. What he has stolen being restored. What he's put in your life being taken out. And things that have been out of order and chaotic put back in order. And I can say too that I've gone before the Lord in this way and the Lord has given me justice because he's, he's, he's a righteous judge. The Bible says the foundations of his throne a righteousness and justice. You're going for justice, what the devil's done for you. If somebody came into your house, your physical house, broke in, and they stole a bunch of stuff from you, and the police caught them, and you find yourself in court, what are you going to be going? You're like, I want all the stuff that they stole from me. I want it restored back. They illegally broke into my house. They stole my stuff. I'm the victim here. I want my stuff back. And if not, then I want compensation. So I can buy new stuff. I mean, that's just fair. And how many knows God is fair? And the devil's come in to steal, kill, and destroy. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you a few scriptures and close with this. Proverbs 6, 30 through 31. Men do not despise a thief when he steals. Now, who's the thief? Jesus taught us. Who's the thief? The devil. And he says to satisfy himself when he's hungry. But when he's found, he must repay sevenfold though it cost him all the substance of his house. Now let's wait a second. Is that saying that the devil's kingdom has to restore sevenfold? That's exactly what it's saying. That's exactly what the Bible says. Am I not telling you the truth? It says it right there. The devil's a thief, and when he steals stuff, he has to restore back. He's got to cough it back up seven times more. I'm serious. You know, people need to quit letting the devil get away with things. If If they stole stuff, they should have to restore it back. All right, here we go, Mark 10, 29 through 30. Jesus said, Truly I say to you, there is no one, now look at this, who has left houses or brothers or sisters or mother or father, children or farms for my sake and for the gospel's sake, but that he will receive a hundred times as much now in this present age, houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and farms, along with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life so Jesus is saying here that what you've lost for the sake of the kingdom and the gospel as the devil has come in and made friends and the enemies turn family against you okay try to steal finances trying to oppress your health trying to destroy your life all those things the devil came in to steal kill and destroy the Lord says right here Jesus said it that it will be restored to you in this present age that's what it says you know why god's people perish the bible says lack of knowledge if we knew these things then and that's why the devil wants the church ignorant because they don't know what the bible says do you realize that all these weapons i've given you today about maturing and 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 overcoming and prayer and fasting all these things do you know how to overcome when the devil's attacking you to wear out the saints go before God's throne room as a judge and seek justice let me put it this way that last warfare number seven the way that you overcome is the courtroom of heaven are y'all getting this the way that you overcome is God will give you justice against your adversary satan will come in in these last days to try to wear out the saints but god will come and he will pronounce judgment on behalf of the righteous he'll give you justice and let me tell you if an earthly judge was to see the case and he saw that you were stolen from and he says he's wearing the black robe and he slams down the gavel and says give him this that or the other it's going to happen How much more so when God the Father is on his throne and he slams down his gavel, if you will, and he says, give him justice. Man, ain't nothing going to stop that. God's angels will be released and there's not going to be one. Devil's going to be able to stop it. Nothing. Once God sets things in motion for you in regards to restoration, you're going to get it. so here's what i want you to do and you need to do it soon number one don't go to god's courtroom his you know seeking justice if you've got unforgiveness in your life or sin in your life you need to deal with that first okay but once you've gotten alone with god and you've forgiven people and you've got all the sin under the blood and dealt with y'all hear me then go before god's courtroom and i encourage people to do this soon i want you to make a list that's why i gave you the paper and i told you have a pen take this stuff home and i want you to make a list what has been stolen i'm gonna give you some things to think about what has been stolen from you generationally what in your family ancestry should be yours right now but the devil somehow caused things to happen to where maybe your family lost all this money and lost all this stuff and you you didn't end up with any inheritance, but you should have. It's been stolen from you generationally. Number two, have there been relationships that the devil destroyed? And you know it was the devil. They brought in, the devil brought in all kinds of strife and, and, you know, just destroyed relationships. Number three, think about it. What type of finances and material things has the devil stolen from you? Has the devil stirred up somebody to cause you problems at a job you used to have and you 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 end up losing the job and it was really an injustice? I mean, just think about it for a second. Has there been things that financially and materially that have been taken from you that shouldn't have been taken? Number four, has there been stubborn health issues? that you've prayed about, and it's been stubborn. That's the devil, okay? And not only that, has those health issues cost you financially? Number five, and this is for people that may have a ministry, but ministry fruit stolen, friends turned into enemies, different things that's happened to hinder the ministry. And number six, I believe it is, stolen years you feel that years have gone by where you've been through so much stuff that you feel like you've kind of lost those years and you're frustrated about it the last five years the last 10 years have been a certain way and it's really been a battle it's been frustrating but i feel like the devil kind of stole those years And don't limit it to this. Now, there are people that are believing God for things, maybe believe in God for children or believe in God for other things that have been stubborn. Put it on this list. But here's what I encourage you to do. Make a list, humble yourself, you know, get on your face before God and go before his throne room and ask him with humility to give you justice. Because you're not coming to him in this situation just as a loving father you're not coming to him to Jesus just as a loving savior but you're actually coming to him as a judge and saying I humbly come before you and petition you that listen the devil has come in and did this 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 and this it was stolen from me and I ask you to render judgment on my behalf that what the devil stolen be restored back sevenfold and be specific and you watch, I promise you, it may not happen in two or three days, it might, you you know, it may happen quickly, but I promise you that God laid this sermon on my heart because this is the year restoration's beginning, and I'm telling you that those of you involved with this ministry, God's given us a promise of restoration, and I promise you that if you'll stay with God and you'll you'll live right, I mean, if you're going to, play games and sin and stuff like that it may hinder things but those that are serious about it listen i promise you that you are going to see some major major breakthroughs in the days to come and great restoration man i feel it take this stuff home and really pray over it over the next couple days i'm gonna pray right now and i want y'all to agree with me okay And then we'll pray for people that need healing tonight or you need a breakthrough, you just need a fresh touch from God. God's going to touch you guys very powerfully, okay? But Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name and through his blood. And everybody agrees with me tonight. And I realize that the Bible says my righteousness is as filthy rags. And I know, Lord, that I can only approach through the blood of Jesus, washed in his blood. But Father, I come to you. And I'm asking you that I know that you are a true judge and I know that you see how Satan's kingdom has come in to steal, kill, and destroy. And I'm asking you, Lord, and everybody's agreeing with me here, based on your word that a thief must restore sevenfold and also based on the scriptures of the persistent widow and also based on the fact, Lord, you promised us in your word that if two agree, you'll do it. But I'm asking you, Lord, to render divine justice on behalf of the saints here. That they're gonna be approaching your throne about things. And Lord, in these end times, Satan is trying to wear out the saints. One little thing after the next little thing after the next little thing. But I'm asking you, Lord, that you will cause there to be angels sent on assignment and that these forces of the enemy will be bound. And it'll be like restraining orders where they cannot continue to do what they've been doing but, Lord, that there will be true justice. Lord, where they've been battling, things that have been stolen from them generationally will be restored sevenfold. Lord, where relationships that have been stolen, friends turn to enemies, destruction, Lord, that you will restore new relationships to replace the old, and, Lord, there will be a sevenfold restoration in relationships, Maybe there needs to be healing in some of the old relationships. But I'm asking you for justice that what the devil did now will be turned around. And also for finances and material things that have been stolen from people. I'm asking you, Lord, to give them back sevenfold. Lord, where health issues have been stubborn, I'm asking you, Lord, for divine justice that it will break through and be removed. And also where people have maybe battled generational curses and and things that have been stubborn in their life, iniquity drives, stuff like that. We brought that, Lord, tonight. We brought the blood of Jesus over those areas. And I ask you for divine justice, that that will be pulled out of everyone's life like a weed and will be destroyed and it will be gone forever and there will be a major breakthrough. I ask you for divine justice for River of Life. Lord, there's been uh, you know, situations, the devil's attacked, that everything that has been attacked, that's been stolen, will be restored sevenfold. Lord, we ask you for divine justice about stolen years where people feel that they've lost years dealing with things, dealing with the wounds of life or stubborn issues, struggles. I'm asking you, Lord, that you will restore the years the locusts have eaten back unto them. And also ask you for those that have been praying about things that have been stubborn like children or or other things they're believing for. We ask you for divine justice or these things to come forth. You said this would be the year of restoration. I'm believing you for it. So, Lord, I ask you for all those that are listening out there that are going to be hearing this, literally around the world listening to this sermon, Lord, I come into agreement with them and those here. The Bible says if two will agree, and I'm asking you, Lord, for divine justice. Even where people have had reputations that have been smeared by the demonic, where, where people have, have spread rumors and lies about them, lord ask you for divine justice that the truth will come out and it will be known that accusers will be silenced and the victims will rejoice let there be divine justice release lord you are faithful to your word and we believe we pray all this in the name of jesus and we thank you for it now in the mighty name of jesus we pray i feel as i'm praying right now that some of you need to petition about your family you need to petition i feel my wife in particular there's others that you know you need to petition for your family you need to petition god for your family Whew, i feel that and, and you know lay hold of the promises of god the bible says if we pray and believe he'll do it so if we're praying and believing for our lost loved ones he said he would do it let's stand and believe god that's what i'm saying we've got to believe lay hold and believe him for what he promised us we're believing for our family to be saved we're believing for breakthroughs. Let's, so Lord, we ask you for areas of family, Lord, where, where maybe um, they're away from God and they're not where they need to be. We ask you for divine justice. so we've prayed and we have believed for our family to be saved. And Lord, we believe you to turn the tide in the mighty name of Jesus. Let it come. We ask you for justice. because Lord, the enemy has been doing this. We don't blame people. The devil's behind us. He's come in to steal kill and destroy. But Lord, release your justice. Set things in motion. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You guys, take that home, get a pen, make a thorough list, and go before God. And I'm telling you that you're gonna see major things in the days to come, major things. All right, we're gonna pray for people before we go, and then obviously we'll, we'll do some witnessing as we go out. How many of you guys want prayer tonight? Let's go ahead and shut down recordings. Need prayer about healing or freedom from something or whatever. All right, let's go ahead and stand and, and we probably need to move the chairs and those of you that want prayer tonight, just kind of make yourself available. I want my wife to help me and, and my daughter to help me. And we're gonna go through and pray for people. that's fine the iPod's fine yeah. may y'all have gotten that down pretty well this side over here's got some s- chair stacking skills but this one I don't know what's going on <laughs> if we can get some music going seriously though guys if we could move these chairs over here That would be great. So we can pray for people. I feel for some reason it fell upon deaf ears a moment ago. But but now, yeah, the, the sheep... Some of y'all want prayer tonight. Lord, we're believing you right now. We're made your move of the Lord tonight. Let it come, Lord. Let it come. All right, those of you that want prayer tonight disagree with me, Father. We speak tonight, healing, where people need it. Lord, let your fire come. Let healing come. Many, many testimonies of healing, but Lord, we're asking you for new levels of healing. Jesus, come heal. Heal people spiritually. Heal their broken hearts. Heal them mentally and psychologically where they need it. Bring healing to physical bodies. Lord, we humble ourselves. Lord, we're nothing. We we don't deserve anything, but but Lord we know that you love us and we know Jesus you paid for it at Calvary and we ask you for your grace and mercy release your healing tonight release your deliverance bring breakthroughs for things that have been there of the devil that's been oppressing people set people free Lord